This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. By now, most of you have heard the story of Apple saying it would not unlock an iPhone that is linked to one of the shooters in the San Bernardino massacre back in December. It is a contentious topic that links to the request in the past by the government for the access to data from social media companies. Should Apple unlock this phone? Should this become more of a norm or is there a bigger concern? with the potential of having a backdoor to iPhones. Penn lecturer Jeff Vogley joins us on the show once again, a frequent contributor to our show. He's also executive director of the Center for Technology, Innovation, and Competition. Jeff, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me. You got it. Uh, also joining us, Ross Schulman, who is co-director of New America's Cybersecurity Initiative, senior policy counsel at New America's Open Technology Institute. And, Ross, great to have you back as well. Thanks very much. Good to be here. All right, I, I will throw it to both of you, and I have my opinion, and I'll give you mine in a second. Jeff, where do you fall on this? Well, I mean, it, it, on the surface, it looks uh, quite innocuous, right? I mean, we're talking about one phone. Uh, this is a, a phone that didn't even belong to the shooter. It was, it was his employer's. Uh, his employer has granted the government access to search the phone. The issue is just the... the uh, the FBI does not know the passcode to this phone. So on the surface, it does seem like a, a fairly innocuous request. Uh, you know, not, nothing extra legal about it. Uh, the problem is, uh, is the, the precedent, the legal precedent uh, that, this, that such a decision might, uh, might set in that um, what the government is asking for, a, a sort of malware workaround uh, provided by Apple, to be installed on the phone so that they can unlock that phone. Um, if that is allowed, uh, if that can be forced on Apple by the government, uh, you know, that, that same thing, that, that same order could be forced on Google or Facebook or Cisco, uh, not just by the U.S. government, but other governments who might also latch onto that same precedent. Ross? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, you know, this isn't, so this isn't really just about the one iPhone that the FBI has, has from the shooter in San Bernardino. Um, this is about all of our software. This is about all of our digital devices. Um, and, you know, if this precedent uh, that the FBI is seeking gets set, it's, about, it's really digital disaster for sort of trustworthiness of the computers and the mobile phones that we use on a day-to-day -day basis. It's about the software that we <clears throat> trust the companies to update securely and we expect them not to be updating it for purposes of subverting our own security. I think that's, that's major point number one. I think the other major point in, that is really probably not getting talked about enough right now is the, is the law that the FBI is trying to use in order to make this happen. Um, and it's called the All Writs Act, yeah. and it goes back to 1789. And so we're not talking about a, a law that was written with anything approaching unlocking an iPhone in mind. It's really being twisted beyond its original contours to apply to this situation. And really, if this is the sort of thing that as a people in the United States we're going to bless, really it should be something that Congress has some time to grapple with. And, and you know, we're sort of 
already that debate is happening in Congress surrounding sort of encryption and what's appropriate and what should be unlockable and what shouldn't. But Congress hasn't acted, and the lack of that action, I think, says something here. Well, go back, and, and for those people that, that don't know what that All Writs Act was, I actually wanted to bring it up and, and discuss it. What is it, and, and how does it kind of play into the government's thinking in this situation? So the All Writs Act, again, going back to 1789, is basically a law that says if the government has, uh, in this case, say, a warrant, right, uh, they can essentially try to compel third parties to help them um, execute that writ, essentially. That's, that's this, this is sort of where the writ comes from. The writ here is, is the, is the uh, warrant in, in question. And so they're trying to say that, hey, you know, because this law from 1789 that says you have to help us exists, what you have to do is, is basically whatever we ask, which in this case is go out and rewrite the iOS, which is the operating system that runs on your iPhone or your iPad, so that we can basically, uh, you know, hack into it, essentially. Uh, Jeff, the comments made by Tim Cook yesterday, uh, get your reaction to, to what he said and, and, and actually the open letter that he, he sent out as well. Well, it's a, it's a very strong position uh, that Apple is taking. Not, not terribly surprising. Tim Cook is, uh, has been known for some time to be um, something of an idealist. And he, and I mean that in the best sense, in the, uh, that, that he has ideals and he sticks to them. Um, and part of it is, is also, um, you know, it, it, he's coming off, uh, someone had described it as Apple is going obnoxious on this one. Um, and it's because the, uh, the positioning, the, the political framing of this, uh, this uh, by the FBI, by uh, supporters of the FBI within the White House and in Congress, uh, the political framing is putting Apple in a corner. And Apple is, I, I think, trying to make their case very plainly, very strongly, that this is uh, not just about the narrow political framing that, uh, that we've just been talking about that's being put forth by the FBI. It's about something much, much broader. And I think that's why Apple is coming out with such a strong statement on this. And you're starting to see other companies, um, not quite as, as uh, not, with not quite as strong language as Apple, but other companies are coming out and saying, yes, we, we, we agree with this, uh, including Google, who came out, yeah. uh, Google CEO came out uh, on Twitter yesterday with a somewhat coded version of that um, uh, that uh, but he but you know it was clear that he did uh, he was couching uh, or he was expressing support for Apple's position but it, that's really not a surprise in fact I, I, I saw an article uh, earlier today in one of the news outlets that pretty much all of the social media companies are starting to fall in line with this and again Jeff it, that's not really a surprise is it no I mean it, it's, it's like Ross was saying I mean this this is uh, if if the all Ritz Act and, and by the way, this, this act, even though it's old, I mean, it it's came out of the same laws that established the federal court system. So mm-hmm. it's not like these laws have never been used. And, and uh, courts, including the Supreme Court, have interpreted the All Writs Act um, not without limits. Uh, this is – they understand that this could be a very powerful law. Uh, as a matter of fact, there was discussion the, – the roots of the law come from ancient Roman and British uh, tradition – uh, where you know if 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 the king wants something um, but th- there's no actual law to provide it there there there's a gap filler 
Um, the problem with our constitutional system is that we have separation of powers principles where the courts cannot make law. That is the prerogative of Congress. And so if all writs allows the courts enough power to start making law under all writs, that would be a problem under our system. And so the Supreme Court has said, yeah, there are limits about, on this. The problem is, is it's not a really bright line. And uh, because of this, you know, and I hate to use the term, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's out there, the slippery slope that this could possibly send us down, uh, technology companies are recognizing that this precedent could go far beyond just, this, just phones. I mean, this is uh, the, the infrastructure, the technological infrastructure worldwide that we all depend on, um, and all governments would be very interested in this ability, not just the U.S. government. Your comments are welcome uh, right now at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that have questions, comments about this right now. You're more than welcome to give us a call again, 844-942-7866. One of the other things, Ross, that obviously now, you know, this has become such a firestorm in the last 24 to 48 hours that some of the news media is picking up on uh, are reports uh, of Apple actually unlocking phones in, in the older iOS systems that back, back to iOS 7, which a lot of people are writing it as and, you know, take it for what it's worth. They're saying that in some respects it goes against what Tim Cook is saying now. Right. So I've seen the same thing. There's been some question as to sort of has Apple unlocked phones before? Is, yep. is this a new stand for, by them? Um, and, you know, <clears throat> Excuse me. I, you know, the question I think is is kind of moot, um, okay. although perhaps not 100 percent moot. I, you know, if they have sort of run along with the FBI before on prior um, unlockings of phones, I sort of wish they hadn't. Right. Um, but 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 even if they have, I think the precedent in this case of using the All Writs Act and particularly using the All Writs Act to force a company to uh, create from where where it did not exist before, and then sign and force uh, force install a, uh, a basically what is malware essentially yeah. onto one of their customers is sort of a, a step further that I think we haven't seen before, at least not that I'm aware of. And so, you know, Jeff Jeff invoked the the sort of uh, the horrible slippery slope phrase. Um, and I think he's actually wrong about that. I, it doesn't strike me as a slippery slope. It's sort, it feels like a step off of a cliff. There's like there's no sliding down a slope here. It's like once we've done this, it is done, and it applies to everything. Yeah. This precedent will 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 go to the ends of the earth, and as far as the FBI sort of cares to take it. Jeff. Yeah, and, and there's there's also a a um, kind of an unspoken part of this is that I'm, the uh, the FISA courts. Uh, which is the, the secret courts that uh, basically decides uh, that, that grants or does not grant approval to uh, the, our intelligence agencies, NSA and the like, um, we, when they want to gather data, intelligence data. Uh, the court also has an interest in this because if, the, if this precedent stands, we're probably going to see, well, actually, or not going to see, the FISA courts or NSA using this precedent uh, to argue for their requests before uh, the FISC. And, um, and if the president is standing, the FISC would likely grant it. And, and again, there's the only thing, uh, you know, apart from this, um, you know, the, the idea that the All Writs Act is, is supposed to be limited, although we don't know exactly where those limits are, 
the there is a uh, the uh, uh, sort of an if there is an undue burden that's placed upon the third party in order to provide this technical assistance, they can come forth and say, well, yes, it's this is this is going to cost us you know a lot of uh, manpower. It's going to cost us a lot of money or any you know a number of other arguments one could make about undue burden. Yeah. Uh, the problem with that argument here is that um, it's uh, with this particular phone. Uh, this version of the phone, I think it was the iPhone 5C, which is an yep. older model. Yep. Um, it's it's the the technical burden is not all that high. Uh, the the you know the cracking of this uh, or basically installing this malware on this phone is not all that much of a problem technically for Apple. Uh, although you know there's uh, writing an operating system or rewriting an operating system or even tweaking an operating system is not a minor task. Well, it pr- anybody it, that's ever done this. It probably wouldn't be that tough, uh, partly also, I'm guessing, because if, if memory serves me, when they came out with the 5C or and, and the 5S at, at, at that time, the 5C was seen as the low-cost model, you know, and, and so you would think that, that it probably might be a little bit easier, Jeff. Yeah, it's, it has to do with the the hardware configuration and the security mechanisms that are inside. You know, not you know everybody would be bored to tears if we went into the technical details. <laughs> the basic, you don't want to talk about uh, secure enclaves, Jeff? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, please, <laughs> no, stop. <laughs> Go ahead, Jeff. But if if if, if, the, if we were talking about um, the new uh, the new phones, uh, the iPhone six or newer, this would not be an issue because uh, as far as everyone knows. Um, Apple cannot, even if they wanted to, cannot do what the uh, what the FBI is asking them to do, because of the way that they have set up the uh, the hardware, the chipset on the new phone. So the in 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 effect, Apple has tied their own hand, um, and and so we've made a decision that uh, you know that even if asked, we would not be able to provide this technical assistance. It's just not physically possible. Talking a little bit about the legal end of this then for a second, with the fact that Apple has said that they won't uh, agree to the judge's request, where where does this case then go? I, I'm guessing it will continue up the judicial ladder, correct? I think that's right, yeah. Um, so what's happening right now is Apple is due to offer sort of a, a counter uh, to the to the court by I believe it's Monday, um, basically explaining why they shouldn't comply with the with the um, order issued by the court in California. If the no matter which way the court then rules on that um, on that motion, I'm assuming we're going to see it appealed, whether it goes against Apple or goes against the government. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you could imagine this sort of case as, as being uh, the sort of one that goes to all the way up to the Supreme Court. Jeff. Yeah, I mean this. This is a magistrate judge now. So the the way that it works, uh, they are Article Three judges, but they're not uh, they're not district court judges. And so magistrate judges typically they are uh, you know the most generalist of our generalist judges. They see everything that comes through, a lot of uh, evidentiary hearings and that sort of thing. So they're seeing a lot of things. And it's interesting. There's a case in the Eastern District of New York right now, very similar to this, where the FBI is asking for some uh, something just like this from Apple. And in that case, the magistrate judge, instead of issuing the order first, asked Apple for their input uh, because the judge there, the magistrate judge, recognized that this is probably more complicated than we're, we're recognizing. And one of the complaints that Apple and others have had about the, the way that the FBI has couched this before judges is that they're hiding the ball a little bit and, and that they are not necessarily explaining to the judge 
what exactly the ramifications of such an order might be, because there are many uh, in in the legal community and elsewhere that see, look, this is just a phone. Unlock yep. the phone. There's there's nothing illegal here. This is a warrant. This is it's a phone that wasn't even owned by the individual in, in question. Uh, why not just unlock the one phone? And and and, and again, it's because there's there's a you know it's it's a somewhat complicated. Uh, somewhat obscure reason why this is, it's more than just one phone. We're talking with uh, Ross uh, Sherman and also with Jeff Ogley. We're talking about the uh, Apple iPhone case uh, with the U.S. government about them locking or not unlocking the phone of someone tied to the San Bernardino massacre. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. The other piece of this is, is that, and it obviously is in the thinking of Apple, Ross, is the fact that if you do this, as we have seen with the variety of lengths that hackers will go to get information, you open this door, eventually, somehow, some way, hackers are going to find out this and, and take advantage of it. Yeah, and, you know, it, it, it hurts me to say this because I wish it was better, but it's, um, you know, I think if we look at the track record of the federal government at keeping things secret that ought to be secret, uh, we are not impressed. Kind of, kind of, kind of low. You think a little low? Like, you know, needs improvement is, I think, the the grade I would give them right now. Uh, if I was, you know, with their manager, and so yeah, I think we know by looking at the sort of the black market for vulnerabilities in iOS that an iOS vulnerability is worth millions of dollars right now. Yep. Um, and so if you, you know. If you go out and you create one voluntarily, if you're Apple, or I guess not voluntarily in this case, but under duress, right? Yeah. But if you create one, you're simply putting another one out there, and, and you can give it to uh, the FBI, and you can say, please, please, for the love of God, keep this safe. Um, but, but, you know, you can't guarantee that. And so the FBI is trying to help with that sort of thing. They, 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 they are saying, you know, please tailor the vulnerability to only this one phone that we have, um, and, you know, there's a way that they can do that. But at the same time, you, you definitely have to worry that if the code that Apple creates in response to an order like this gets out there, that it will absolutely just create yet another vulnerability uh, in, in, our, in our devices onto which we put sort of our entire lives today, right? Yes, exactly. Jeff, final question. Uh, and I actually talked with one security expert yesterday about this and, and trading emails with that person. And the, the comment brought up to me was, and I get your opinion on it, is the fact that obviously the focus is on this, this one iPhone. But if the government is relying on this one iPhone, as their be-all, end-all in this case, then they've probably got other issues that they need to worry about, too. Yeah, this, I mean, security is, is hard. Uh, we're talking about incredibly complex pieces of hardware and software. Uh, so, you know, we, we, sh we shouldn't, uh, you know, make it sound like it's all that easy to make sure that these things are, are secure. Um, but, uh, you know, if we look at our examples uh, in, in, in the past, recent past, uh, if you look in Greece, for example, uh, their version of Kalia, which is uh, the uh, requirement by the government that that uh, requires phone companies to provide interfaces for tapping and, and tracing and that sort of thing, um, that was hacked, and uh, yeah. the and unauthorized personnel were able to use that uh, to spy on on individuals in Greece. This uh, you know this is not unheard of. This is not anything that. Uh, that that follows any particular national boundary, uh, you know. This, this is a very 
uh, global problem. Uh, Apple sells its products, and you know, and all these major technological companies sell their products all over the world. This is a major concern for them, not just from a legal liability standpoint, but but from an economic standpoint. Yeah. If if uh, if people don't trust Apple to to make sure that their data is protected, they'll go elsewhere. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.